Hello and welcome to the Graveyard Shift, the weekly horror podcast where we take listener and guest-suggested movies and break them down into the good, the bad, and anything else we find fun and or relevant. Or I would say that's what we usually do, but we are mm-hmm. celebrating the end of Black History Month on the Graveyard Shift where we celebrate movies that have either black characters uh, represented in unique and uh, great ways or... Just movies that are uh, made, written, or produced by black people. And this movie is no exception, so let's get right down to it. Please welcome the man who is my brother in perplexity after watching this movie, John. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, hello again. And please welcome the woman who will hopefully shed some light and context on this and deliver us from confusion, Mackie. Hi. I'll try my best. Today's episode is... Ganja get you into my life because we watch Ganja <laughs> and Hess. Uh, this was directed by Bill Gunn, written by Bill Gunn, produced by Chiz Schultz, not Charles Schultz. I mean, like if they just showed up as Peanuts characters, that would have been fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Guy becomes a vampire, and all of, a, all of a sudden he walks down the street and he hears people like. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Why, yes, I would like to bite your throat and drain your blood. <laughs> With cinematography by James E. Hinton, edited by Victor Kenefsky, music by Sam Wayman, distributed by Kelly Jordan Enterprises, released April 20th, 1973. So, a movie with Ganja in the title was released on 420. Coincidence? Awesome. I don't fucking think so. Well. <laughs> this is a runtime of 110 minutes, or the cut version was 78 minutes. Guess which version we watched. This had a budget Raw of three hundred and $350,000 was the budget, and I don't know what the box office was, but I think it was pulled from theaters like three days after being released, so it couldn't have what? made that much money. Damn. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. This story. Yeah, the, the studio said something about like, yeah, they didn't think it was, they weren't happy with the success. And I think that was, yeah, mm. like they decided to, you know, cut the movie down and try to streamline it oh, more. Oh, yeah. 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 There's a few different edits floating around. Uh, this stars Marlene Clark as Ganja Mita. Dwayne Jones, yes, from fucking Night of the Living I'm Dead. As Dr. Hess Green. So, Ganja and Green. Really? <laughs> I mean... Somebody did something here. Yeah. <laughs> Bill yeah, Gunn right. as George Mita. Sam Wayman as Reverend Luther Will- Luther Williams. So, the Reverend was the guy that did the music in this. Hmm. Huh. Leonard Jackson as Archie. Candice Tarpley as Girl in Bar. Richard Harrow as Dinner Guest. John Hoffmeister as Jack Sargent. Betty Barney as Singer in Church, apparently named after both of the Rubbles. <laughs> and Maybelle King as the Queen of Mercia, who also played Mama on What's Happening. Oh, really? This has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 92% for the critics and 50% for the audience. So opinions are divided on this. 
And uh, the synopsis is Dr. Hess gets stabbed with a weird old knife and becomes a bloodthirsty guy that preys on the poor and lower class people until he meets a lady named after Whedon and makes her into a bloodthirsty dick. Yeah, I didn't like her. And, uh, like at all. <laughs> I didn't see much. Like, there's quite a bit in the way of trivia, but I don't know, like, what we can really uh, cram into this. Uh, I guess because of the success of Blackula, uh, William Gunn, who was a black artist known as a uh, playwright, was approached, and uh, he said he did not want to make a black vampire movie. And boy, he <laughs> sure didn't when he made this, because... He uh, decided to make the vampirism as a metaphor for addiction. Mm-hmm. And I read about that. Yeah, his uh, relative inexperience at film make the uh, producer's relative inexperience at making films uh, gave him a, a high degree of control over the film. So at least we can say we got a pure vision from this guy with uh, no meddling. And it did, it was screened at the 12th International Critics Week at the Cannes Film Festival, and it uh, it got an award. I can't remember what it was for, but it, yeah, it was selected for Critics Week, so that's what it won. It was just like, uh, it was the, their weekly choice at that uh, film mm-hmm. festival. And it was described in later years as a landmark 1973 independent film that used vampirism as an ingenious metaphor for black assimilation, white cultural imperialism, and the hypocrisies of organized religion. And in uh, 2021, uh, filmmaker and Sundance Institute programmer Adam Pyron described uh, frequently rewatching the film for being ahead of its time and still beyond our own. He interprets Gunn's approach this way, moving back and forth between quiet interpersonal exchanges and vivid actions prompted by guilt and trauma over the deaths of the two title character spouses and their desire to reconnect to the Christian church. Ganja and Hess defies a traditional sense of linear structure. It offers not a plot, but a portrayal of these characters' interactions with one another while trying to live new lives. It's a lot of words, and I, 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 I didn't see it, but that's just my take on it. Because we talk about like the deaths of the two character spouses, uh, we didn't see anything about Doctor Hess's spouse, and she didn't um, express a desire to reconnect to the Christian Church either. So that's why yeah. this take it, it makes me wonder: like, did he see a different movie? <laughs> well, yeah, I actually don't. Well, cut thing that yeah, I don't really remember his Doctor Hess's wife being. No. Yeah, we don't even you know, know if he had a wife. Up. Yeah, we know he was I, a kid. I was like, "There's something I'm missing here." I was like, "Yeah, did we watch the same movie?" <laughs> yeah, when I when I saw this approach, I saw I basically I read like this before. I read the wiki, but I avoided the plot. So when mm-hmm. I was looking at the like the uh, like the approaches that this movie was going to be making, I thought, "Oh, so it's going to be a criticism of the Catholic Church, and uh, we're going to be seeing like these two timeless people, like." go throughout like you know decades and maybe even a century or two like being together and then we see this movie where they where some people talk a lot without saying much and they're together for like maybe two weeks and then one of them dies and i was just like this was not the what this is not what i thought i was promised (laughs) <laughs> and it was uh, remade by Spike Lee in 2014 as The Sweet Blood of Jesus. 
Like he actually put a duh instead of the. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, kind of like the old uh, like twenties. Yeah. Huh. And apparently it was a uh, nearly a shot for shot remake, and it uh, didn't do too well. It got like a five out of ten on IMDb and a forty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't want to watch it, to be honest. I'm curious. Yeah, well, it, it, there's there's one reason to watch it. It has Rami Malek in it. <laughs> he plays the 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 butler, like Archie. Yeah. In this, but his 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 name is Seneschal Higginbottom. <laughs> That's an interesting name. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, that might be worth uh, watching just to see how it compares. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my thoughts. Yeah. I'm curious like that. Um, and uh, got like the original too is just something that you definitely have to watch it more than once as well. I'd say. Oh yeah, it has the feel of like. Um I mean, yeah, like the first word that comes to mind after watching it and, and trying to place it in context with other movies that came out around that time is it it's experimental. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, yeah, there's just quite a bit of things I even just read about it. Uh, it it's it's experimental on a lot of different fronts. It's just on narrative style um, yeah. and, and just even the cinema techniques being used it was a lot of unconventional stuff like and just to come to find out a lot of it was deliberate like a lot of things even how mm-hmm. they did the weird camera angles and um yeah or they'll just zoom in on some piece of nature in the background for extended periods yeah. just stuff that he, he was I, I guess it seems like you know when i read a little bit more about it bill gunn was trying to bend the rules or break them a bit here you know Right. Kind of like um, averting expectations from the audience of some, but he took it to like um, another level. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, yeah, I guess it can also really, an accurate word too, is it's provocative, you know, and... And it can always it could be provocative and maybe not in the most pleasant of ways, you know, because how it it toys with the senses, like sometimes the sound and the music, how it's being used is very oppressive and yeah, at times, you know, it can just be annoying. But I'm like, maybe that's what they're really I, I kind of think I was like that's part of this dissonance he's trying to create. That's and what I got to. I was like, okay, clearly we're supposed to be paying attention. You're, you're to trying something. to fuck with me, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you're, it's like let's put let's put it in like very raw terms. Like you're yeah. you're deliberately trying to fuck with me. You're trying to play with my senses and even like purposely yeah. throw in these continuity errors and stuff. And it, oh, it's yeah. a it's a it's we can get into the uh, the specifics. I did uh, have like one little bit of uh trivia from the movie because like the uh the 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 mitigating no not mitigating the uh the impetus of this movie is uh a dagger that stabs people and somehow doesn't kill them it just makes them bloodthirsty and otherwise immortal in other words like a vampire knife 
Mm-hmm. And it's uh, supposed to belong to a tribe called the Merthians. But uh, unlike Blackula with the Abani tribe, which was real, the Merthians seem to be just be made up. As my Google search only came up with results about this movie and a Star Wars race called the Cymerthians. <laughs> ah. Yeah. So, uh, we can get in, uh, if there's, uh, is there any more trivia? Because if not, we can get into the goods. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, uh, the fact that, um, this was released theatrically several times, apparently, I didn't realize that. They, um, tried it a couple of times because there was just, like John was saying, it was experimental, and... When it was released and, you know, the reviews came in and everything like that, um, uh, like, they just started dissecting it, essentially, and whatever. And they're like, you know, they, just, they wanted to go back and revise it, right? And so they did it a couple of times because it was not really... They didn't really seem to be able to agree on things like the cinematography and, and things like that, or the sound choices, um, you know certain lighting and, and scenes and stuff like that. They just wanted to do it all over. So I think I read that there were seven versions that they did. Oh, wow. Sheesh. I didn't even know there was. Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> right? thought there was only like two versions. Holy crap. Yeah, I just, there was I know, the, the cut only, version. The other and one is, and uh, another version called Blood Couple. Was it altered so in length the, or was it just renamed? Altered in length and also, um, Renamed. Oh, both. Yeah, I, th- I think it was uh, 15 minutes of footage that they didn't use in the original that was added onto Blood Couple. Ah. So. Mm hmm. Hmm. But yeah, so. Well, it- Bill Gunn and, um, and uh, sorry, yeah, Bill Gunn and his, um, I can't remember the name of who he worked with. I didn't write his name down, but. Yeah, they just, they really didn't have any sort of idea. They they couldn't work together on how to edit it and make it like a, a finalized version that they could both appreciate. Yeah. Well, you know, what, I guess if I can tack on any other little bits of trivia, trivia I found out was, uh, you know, the actress um, Marlene Clark, you know, plays Ganja in the movie. She, uh, interestingly, was one of the first, uh, you know, actors in like a, Hollywood production that like cursed and stuff in a movie. So she was in a movie called The Landlord, which is actually it was a movie adaptation of a play, and it was actually uh, the screenplay for the movie was actually written by Bill Gunn. You know, of course, who did Gajan Hess, and uh, yeah, and I don't know, she's pretty well renowned for her role in this movie, I guess, and uh, I guess she yeah. a lot of people thought she did really well in it, but she also you know. Um, was using a lot of profanity, and that was just a big t- deal in 1970. It was it was starting to get into that era, what they call like new Hollywood, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. so and marked by this period were you know experimental films like Ganja and Hess. This era was yeah. of a time rife for that. Um, but I don't know. That was kind of an interesting thing to know about. I mean, Marlene Clark herself had a pretty prolific career, from what I can see here. Um, I don't know. I think she's quite good in this movie, even though her character isn't exactly likable. I think she's, I think she's <laughs> yeah. quite good in this. So. She was really good for sure. Yeah. Um, 
She was that. That's I, without a doubt. I, I I guess I find her. I, you know, I find her character compelling, though not not exactly like likable. Like she's a good person, but yeah. She was intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she's still acting. She was married to Billy D. Williams. Cold yep. forty-five. Okay, and that was Lando Calrissian. Yep. Right. Yeah, oh shit. She was in other movies like Black Mamba, The Beast Must Die, Switchblade Sisters. Jesus, busy. Okay. And uh, Switchblade <laughs> Sisters, just what it sounds like. It's about oh, high she school. In, uh, she even had a little role in Enter the Dragon, the Bruce Lee movie. She was in. Really? She, oh, it says she played the secretary in Enter the Dragon. So I'll have to go back and look at that movie now. So, Switchblade <laughs> Sisters was in high school-aged female gang members. It was also known as the Jezebel, <laughs> the Jezebels, Maggie Stiletto Sisters, and the Warriors 2, Las Navajeras. What? I don't know. These movies, just by their titles, sound bomb. <laughs> oh, it right. was not a success at the box I office. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's no never mind to me. Its current popularity can be attributed to Quentin Tarantino, who named it a personal favorite and re-released it in 1996. <laughs> so, yeah, there's some... This is some stuff. Like her par- I don't know why it only shows a partial filmography, but it's, mm-hmm. it's something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think we're now we can get on to the goods. We always start with me, and I gotta say, uh, this movie begins by tying, uh, with the narrator, tying in uh, a line about Jesus, about, like, eating flesh and drinking blood to have eternal life, and this does open up a nice concept, too bad it doesn't, uh, you know, milk it uh, historically, or, you know, try to get into it further, but I did, like, we always focus on Jesus being a zombie, because he... Like, <laughs> broke out of his tomb three days later with his wounds still mm-hmm. intact. But we never ignored, we always ignore the possibility that Jesus was a vampire. Yeah, well, it's, uh, <laughs> that, that's actually almost a little spoilers for the, uh, the show Midnight Mass if you have not watched that. <laughs> really? Yeah, it kind of deals a little bit with that concept. Not like directly Jesus, but it's, yeah, well, kind of tying those he did weird give his flesh and blood to his disciples, so it could be any. any, any it, yeah, blood. it's it's very much drawing that parallels, like the the weird traditions in Christianity, how that like communion is like this seems a little vampiric, yeah. you know, and it's a little creepy, like oh, we gotta eat his body and drink his blood and it? shit. Like, <laughs> I always thought that was a little morbid when I was in church. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen oh, yeah. that possibility explored more, but you know, they raised it up and. At least for, you know, for toying around with it in discussions and the old, and, and, you know, knocking it around the old head. I uh, I kind of like that uh, that concept that they raised. Yeah. Yeah, actually. I was going to say, though, sitting on and thinking about it, I'm like, I don't hate that. I, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've seen Jesus <laughs> as the Easter Bunny, that. so, like, where's Jesus yeah, vampire? Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> why the fuck not? Yeah, no shit, right? Like, <laughs> so, uh, Mackie, what is your first good? 
Um, my first good would be, I actually liked the the method of storytelling for me. I don't know if it was just like my state of mind. It's amazing how this is all just coming together. <laughs> um, at the time, you know, had a bit to smoke and and yeah, I, I did recommend it. it. Yeah, that's uh, glad. I'd say so. It was a good time. I had a great time watching it. I was so I just I zoomed like zoned in on it immediately, and I was able to follow it. So, John, uh, I don't know what? about John, but yeah. I watched this movie uh, without the aid of any uh, any ga- any ganja <laughs> or green. <laughs> I, you know, like I I don't do well with art house movies to begin with, so mm. like I was already at a disadvantage, and also this movie predominantly isn't about it's not a movie to me, for me, or from me. And I do factor that in with my yeah. with, with my judgment. It's not meant to relate to my experience. So I am, um, I mean, for the first time, and fittingly so, the outsider, like me and John are like the outsiders to this, mm-hmm. which I imagine uh, is usually the reverse when it comes to movies that talk about uh, uh, race or history. Uh, I imagine Mackie, you must have uh, felt that at, at a time or two, watching a movie, thinking like, "This is really not talking oh, about sure. my uh, about my type of uh, experiences." Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was able to uh, connect on it on a, on a different level as well. So there was definitely yeah. that for sure. Yeah. So, Joan, what's your first good? And, and you never did answer my question. Did you watch this straight, or did you have a little herbal enhancement? <laughs> oh well, I, I didn't. I, sorry, I didn't realize you were also asking me. But um, I mean, yes, I was. Um, <laughs> yes, I was certainly under the influence. And, yeah, in fact, I could say uh, I had that sort of. Uh, we could say I had the the green color, the green tinted glasses on. <laughs> yeah, and. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, like, I'd say maybe my first good with this is um, I do really, I really actually like the, um, how to say it, like, there's a lot of things with cinematography, but to try to break it down into something a little more specific than in the cinematography is uh, something that I've read in this article, they call it like haptic visuality. And it's like this kind of a visual motif when you're filming, um, you, you know, when you're shooting scenes to like, sometimes you focus on odd details in the background. Like I was, yeah. remember when we were talking about this like last week that there's times where they'll like, the camera's kind of angled at like some background uh, natural horizon over on like Hess's property. And oddly enough, I start, kind of getting myself out of the movie and I just start thinking about like oh man those those fields back there remind me of some places I played when I was like a kid <laughs> and it's something oddly it's, nostalgic and and it's I, so true yeah and to, <laughs> I didn't even know this was a thing I, this was something I was experiencing during the movie and then when I was reading a little more about this because I was trying to understand this movie you know because I, I do like artsy movies like this so but um 
And it was, uh, to find out this is kind of deliberate, it's supposed to sort of evoke a, uh, you know, a sense of, like, nostalgia or thinking of, like, another place in the past. And uh, That's so true, Oh, yeah, like, with him in the field, I thought I thought it was just, like, basically, like, trying to appeal to, like, his, like, his ancestral soul, if you will. Like, this is, this is where you come from. This is where you go when you die. Like, this is the field of reeds, like, uh, from Egyptian uh, afterlife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like th- this is tied to your ancestry. Well, well, I think that is also present too. Like, I feel like this thing, this movie is multi-layered. That there's there's a oh, lot yeah. of use of symbolism, and yeah. and then just and then there's also another sort of communication going on with just like the visual style like you have like the plot and then the narrative that delivers the plot but then even in how mm-hmm. like even just like say comparing the two sex scenes that are in this movie with ganja how both those mo- those scenes are played out very differently and they communicate something much different um, yeah just by the pacing and the sound and or even lack of sound i guess in the case of uh, Dr. Green and Ganja's Yeah, it scene. was like stone silent. Yeah, but then the scene later when she's with like the young man that they bring to the house and stuff, that's like a much different scene, but it's like, it's supposed to be a little bit of like a transformation in her character at that point in the movie, but mm-hmm. I, I guess it's a, it's, a, it's a little hard to explain, but I, I think I, I appreciate that... Um, that you know just having that feeling and finding that that is kind of a penchant of filmmakers that work with this what they call haptic visuality it's like a type of filmmaking that it 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 does run against like a lot of the more like uh western school of thought in film where it's not just appealing to your sight but it's trying to appeal to other senses like you know um sense of touch taste and smell Sure um, did. And I, I didn't really understand that was like a thing at first until like after I watched the movie. But I was like, oh, that's pretty cool because I did kind of find it like <laughs> I, I was sometimes just paying attention to certain details that weren't even related to the film exactly. But I don't know. It's yeah. a cool visual style. I think it was George Hinton. Uh, his last name is James Hinton. He was the cinematographer on it. And uh just on this article, I said here, I found it said he's acknowledged as the first black cinematographer to have shot a theatrically released American film. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of, in the spirit of experimentation, they're trying to bring in these other types of influences into an art that, mm-hmm. you know, they're probably operating, you know, again, in a mostly like white dominated industry. And, you know, it's, uh, Hey man, you know we're breaking conventions in a lot of different ways, not just the story, but the technique. Yeah, you know yeah, they got to get creative and right, and, uh, and you know it, do some extra shit. Yeah, and it may not be for everybody. That's fair for sure. Uh, Definitely not. I it wouldn't be for everybody. yeah, uh, but I, I'm always one. I, I at least give point. Like I like I like when people try this kind of stuff though, because that's how. That's how we can get breakthroughs anyways of like, you know, that's how we can take film to new heights if we do 
how can we take films at new heights if we don't try shit like this, you know, whether it works or not, you know, sometimes yeah. it does work, you know. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, my next good, uh, very also, uh, very also, that's not a sentence structure. <laughs> I, I, I can just feel like the, the ruler of the teacher wrapping me on the knuckles for fucking that up. Uh, <laughs> uh, the next good, it's also near the beginning. Uh, it opens up with a, a haunting gospel song being overlaid about while uh, George Hess goes about his, his day. And the gospel mentions stuff about Christians and blood and addiction. And like there was one line I had to write, like I couldn't write it down verbatim, but the, the message of it was that uh, people were addicted to truth until the Christians came. Then they were addicted to blood. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I found that to be uh, quite insightful. You know, yeah. people people would people would see tr seek truth either in like astronomy or or trying to move science forward, and then people just came up with religion to be like, you know what? It's God's will, and that's it. No further thought Shit, required. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that that's true. Yeah, I think that's one of the most maddening parts of it for me. Is is that thought process? Um, Maybe the Earth revolves around the sun. Maybe you should spend five years in jail. <laughs> oh man i do you some good i know that's a good right. point <laughs> all right we we gave you bread and water for five years do you love jesus now surprisingly not <laughs> right now maybe uh maybe if you give me a continental breakfast while you're at it ah <laughs> hmm. uh, so mackie what's your uh What's your next good? Um, my next good would be... I did like the fact that the characters... I mean, depending on how you watch it, but I, um, I did feel like I got a, a good understanding of where they were coming from and what was going on. The visual cues and stuff like that. Like Once I realized, I was like, okay, I have to pay attention to the sounds and when certain sounds come on because there was that chant that would come on every now and again when he would he would be in bloodlust or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so once I started following like those cues and everything like that, you really understood the characters very well. Like I felt anyways. Um, there was like intention behind you know, their responses and their behavior and stuff like that. And I just, it was, it just seemed kind of thought out in that sense um, that I really enjoyed. And you could see like the, the, especially like the transition with, um, with Dr. Hess, like from the start, when we see him in the beginning, um, after he's become like essentially infected from the dagger and he's like in shambles. And then the way he ends up thriving later on, um, once he figures out what he needs to do and how he needs to do it, like when he realized he had the bloodlust addiction, right, as they were trying to make it uh, a comparison for, he was operating like an addict um, before he just accepted what it was that he's become, what he is and everything like that. So you got to follow along with that, which just made it um, 
really immersive for me too. And especially when Ganja showed up too, as much as I hated her, <laughs> it was kind of exciting. Um, I was worried it might be one of those movies because I didn't read anything about it. I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't, nothing. I like to kind of go in bare bones sometimes, but, <laughs> and just see what happens. But um, yeah, so when she showed up, it just added a new dynamic. I was kind of worried it was going to be um, something we were just really, I didn't think she was going to have as much of an active role in the movie that she did. So I'm really glad that, you know, the two of them were put um, together in this sense, just add a more dynamic to the, to each of them. Um, but yeah. yes, the character development through the art, <laughs> I liked that. I dug it in my, you know, with my green colored glasses. <laughs> 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 okay, John. John, what's your next yeah. good? Um, well, all right. I guess I have another um, another type of good. I mean, I, I did talk a bit, a bit um, about you know, like I said, I, I like uh, Marlene Clark's performance in this movie as, as Ganja because she's kind of the catalyst for this story. You know, that really kind of yeah, shakes things sure. up a bit. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. And, and I'm, I guess I'm piggybacking <laughs> a little bit. On, like, you gave me some food for thought for sure there. You know, kind of piggybacking what you're saying. Um, well, I find her an intriguing character in, in you know, in, you know, this movie when it came out, um, you know, there wasn't, like, for, like, black female characters in movies at that time, there there wasn't a lot of depictions of like their express um th their explicit sexuality and mm. in some ways this movie has a bit of some progressive it is pretty progressive especially for its time because you know her character yeah, isn't actually. exactly honest but she does have she does kind of exercise a bit of like autonomy over about her own sexuality and she's kind of making a bit of her own decisions they're not totally even though they're not necessarily you know like great decisions but they're very much her own they're <laughs> yeah. not in tied to necessarily to a man you know she decides to do this she kind did of whatever the hell she wanted she yeah. asserts a bit of independence which is not something you saw at that time um and you know and and there's more layers to that for sure but i i think that she is a, uh, uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, she's a strong, intriguing character, not necessarily a good mm -hmm. one, like I said, but it, it's, uh, but she does kind of make the movie, though, too. Um, she, and, yeah, she definitely does. <laughs> yeah, so there, there's definitely some things in there I, I think are noteworthy, and, um, and maybe related to that, too, is the fact that, um, you know, the, the black characters that are depicted in this movie, too, are not what you typically would see. Like, it's not framing them exclusively through, like, the lens of, like, slavery and, like, racism. I mean, you uh, see, yeah. you know, uh, Dr. Hess, he lives in a rich, probably, you know, you could say, like, a white neighborhood. He drives a really nice car. Really I think it's nice a Rolls Royce. And... Yeah. He's yeah. got a nice huge house. He's got like a butler and and also the scene that the very seemingly random scene where I guess he has like maybe it's his son and they're speaking French together 
And mm-hmm. I was like, this is definitely not something you probably saw at that time. And I was thinking, like, when no, I saw this scene, this educated. was probably a big deal. Like, you know, you see, like, black people on the screen talking very, like, sophisticated, like, you know, mm-hmm. and just, and, and, you know, again, I think it was a, again, thing too, when we're talking about it with Blackula, I think, because it came around the same time period. Um, I mean, all of the, you know, all of the the characters in this are very well spoken. There's just none of that yeah. like stereotypes that we saw in some of these older era films. Um, mm. there, there's just I, I don't know. I guess to say this, it's a very progressive movie. I guess what I'm saying, and you know, I'm kind of rambling on about, but um, I, I definitely have to respect that. You know, I give it a lot of credit. It was definitely very, very progressive. You're like for sure. There's yeah. some stuff too as you're mentioning. I was thinking about yeah, like seriously, um, the fact that he was like he seemed well traveled and well read and mm-hmm. and everything like that, and everyone around him as well. And um, you know, it just yeah, it was it was it was really nice to see. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Uh, my next good is a mini good because it doesn't last very long but it's uh the diversity of the music like uh mm. we hear like some tribal music before it gets bad and uh when he has a drink at a party he leaves and we even hear uh at one point we hear stuff like atari chip tunes like it sounds like an nes or an Atari being played at one point. I think it was like when he was getting into a car or something. It, like this was like 10 years that before Atari kinda... came out. Like that was just ahead of its time. Huh. <laughs> but the uh, the next, the, the, the first real good that had me cracked up was when he meets Ganja for the first time and says like, I am Dr. Green. And like she, she's originally like the uh, the angry wife of uh, the guy that I call uh, crackhead Lionel Richie, <laughs> <laughs> Bill Gunn himself. You know, Bill yeah, Gunn. You, you yeah, he doesn't look like Lionel Richie, and he acts like a crackhead. He kind of, he kind of, he kind of did. He was unhinged. Oh, he was going through it. I was like, I don't know what's going on with this man, but he's something's. Something's eating him well up because holy, kind of want to talk about that a little bit later. Oh but. yeah, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> him later. But uh, like he's missing. For, we'll call for a lack of a better word. We'll call it that. And uh, the wife turns mm-hmm. up trying to figure out where he is. As soon as uh, Hess introduces himself as Doctor Green, she stops oh, walking, God. and in her tracks you can just see the calculations going on in her head. considering the trade-up the cost-benefit analysis and the decision with no words that is some Mm -hmm. prime acting where she's just like he fine he rich and he's not twitching or just going off on some self-indulgent rant like my shithead husband Who's gone missing? And I don't even know where he is anyway. I think it's time to start moving on up. Yeah. <laughs> she gave it all up. Yeah. She just she decided the marriage was over, annulled, the divorce was finalized. <laughs> all within the span of like 10 seconds of hearing the word doctor. And I just 
I just couldn't stop laughing. Like that was some quality acting from. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and she got there, and she had such an attitude. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> she got there, Even she on the phone, when she's talking to him, like, "Where's my husband?" And I was yeah, just like, she "Oh, was she, she's pissed." Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the tides turned pretty quick there. Yeah, the, really that, quick. That, that anger really sublimated quick. to horny real quick. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, like her whole oh, I, 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 I know you killed my husband. I found his body down in the basement, and then it just turns into <laughs> like oh, I'm leaving you, and then I'm like ah, uh, but yeah, my mom said I was a slut when I was a kid, so I'm <laughs> that. Oh I'm my be a blood god, sucker with you. <laughs> that oh my god, we gotta we have so much to talk about after. <laughs> yeah um yeah it's a very odd jump there (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, so mackie what's your next good um i don't really have anything else to add because i mean over i'm trying to think about it like overall and i my experience with it because that movie was an experience I think that's what I guess that'd probably be my last good. <laughs> it was an experience. I was hella immersed into it, and um, yeah. Sometimes I was, you don't, I was talking to you while I was watching it. I was like, I'm having a great fucking time. Sometimes you don't have much to write down, but you can still enjoy the fuck out of a movie. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, I just yeah, I was no, really involved sure. with it, and um, I've I've been still thinking about it. Like you know, even without the fact that we. We still needed to, um, we were still going to talk about it anyways, but I was still thinking about it. Like, I was thinking about it at work and like, you know, <laughs> like I, I just, yeah. And I was thinking like about the fact that I need to watch it. I was like, for sure I missed stuff on the first watch because there's no way. It was it's a pretty long movie, but I was like, for sure I missed stuff. Like I'd have to watch it again um, as well. Okay, John, right. uh, do you have another good? Um, I, I guess I could just put it like, yeah, I kind of packed a lot into my last two, but, uh, I'll just do it as a mini good. I mean, hey, kudos for having, you know, for not discriminating on nudity on any front. Okay. Male and female nudity. They don't shy away from either one of those. So I, hey, you know what? I'll respect there's no double standards there. (laughs) They kept it raw. Yeah. This cat's trying to jump on my they, keyboard. Don't you dare. You know what? I, I, I respect the fuck out of that. You know? One thing Blackula lacked. <laughs> right? Hmm. Was full frontal. Mm-hmm. Like when that cabbie yeah. running down the hallway, shouldn't have been wearing a gown. Even though one of the scenes like where they showed it, I had did not quite understand. I, I, I think there's a bit more symbolic, but I wasn't. I wasn't exactly sure what was happening there, but. <laughs> hmm. Okay, well, I've got a few goods left. Um, Ganji telling the story about her friend smuggling dope out of Mexico. And, <laughs> like, I mean, that story it ran a little long for, for my tale, for my taking, but it was Hess's reaction. He's just looking out a window, he's just not listening. He's waiting. He's <laughs> waiting for that shawl to fly off, and he is just not engaged in the conversation. He's not feeding back. Mm-hmm. He's not building off anything. He's not listening. She. He's just like, okay. When she gets all the talking out of her system, then we can get to boot knocking. 
<laughs> Literally. He was like, all right, all right, let it out, let it out. <laughs> He's, I've been doing this for a very long time. <laughs> He's just like, she's doing an awful lot of not undressing right now. But mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give her a few more minutes. If not, then I'll just oh. leave and go visit a hooker downtown. Oh, God. It's like, I don't want to know your name. Oh, I won't. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want relationship. <laughs> I just want oh, to grab God. that tip. Yeah. Uh, uh, really old internet here. For any of the kiddos out there listening, <laughs> old people talk. All right. Yeah, back in the old days when we could actually just watch people get killed on Rotten.com. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. We so had to work for that shit. Oh, yeah, we had faces of, <laughs> faces of death. <laughs> oh, yeah, we could get that shit on videotape. <laughs> actually, the internet was friggin' lawless back then. Who was the Wild West? Gala and everything off Napster. And fucking, oh, my God. Well, oh. then, like, after that, would be, like, LimeWire. What and all a time. Yeah. <laughs> My wire. Uh, my next good is when Ganja finds the body of her man. Clearly, she doesn't care because Hess comes home to her and not the mm. police. <laughs> so th- exactly. this be- this begins to tell you what Ganja thought of not only crackhead Lionel as a husband, but th- just what she thinks of as a human being that. You know, at least from her perspective, a murder has been committed. Right. And even if she doesn't like the husband, even if she's fallen out of love with the husband, she doesn't even think of him as a human being worthy of justice. It's like, hold on. If the dick can explain this in a way I in a way that doesn't completely repulse me, then I can overlook it because I need that doctor dick. I need 10 cc's of doctor love. And she overlooked it quick with the quickness. Yeah. I mean, she was mortified too at first. As she says, <laughs> Ganja's going to look out for Ganja. All right. Yeah, well, she sure did. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> you know, no lies detected. Nope. Uh, my next is uh, the sex scene with the diamond guy. I don't know how Hess met that guy, but he brought her home. Like he said, basically, like you need a distraction from this. Uh, from like uh, the 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 tribal jungle beats going on in your head oh, with yeah, the hunger, was... so he introduces this diamond <laughs> yeah. guy. I don't know, like how he how he. I mean, he's a doctor, so of course he's got a diamond guy. What the fuck am I talking about? So he brings his diamond guy over because you know he's a rich guy. He's got a diamond guy. No no further questions. And all, <laughs> uh, coincidentally, he's also just like this is my wife. That I just married like two days ago in the backyard, and <laughs> would you like to fuck my wife? Um, presu- yeah. presumably on a bed of diamonds that you brought from work, and so they fuck. And this guy has no idea. This guy's got no problem being like, "You you want me to cuck you?" Okay, they do it. That, that no questions asked. And yeah. so we get to see Ganja full frontal, which you know she's just stunning. And also, she gives into her hunger, both kinds of hunger. Like even she's just like licking the guy and then like like bites into him. So it was a uh, it was great to see like her just you know finding you know the the benefits of her new 
her new condition. Of her new lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> her new condition, yeah. Yeah, she well, was um, going through it, which I thought was an interesting process. How Ganja got I her think- groove back. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, there's definitely that duality, I think, between how she kind of responds to it as opposed to Hess, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he has a bit of a different, like, arc with it. <laughs> he eats poor know? people. She eats rich people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you definitely see it, get a sense of, like, she may come to, like, embrace it more fully than he did you know he kind of gets a bit Mm -hmm. of a well and you already get the sense that he he has a he obviously tries to go like he i remember he goes to like the hospital and gets a bunch of the blood packs he tries to get blood that way but he finds it's not the same you know as and he and he suffers from the guilt like yeah you know immensely um so yeah, it, it's, uh, she was really, <laughs> it was interesting too, because she was really, oh my gosh, Trenton, sorry, cat, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was interesting at first because like she was really, really sick. I thought that whole sequence was pretty interesting to watch, to be honest, and um, <laughs> there was a point where she was like, you know, she's like, it's cold, I'm always cold. Like, are you ever cold or whatever? And he's all like, it'll go away. But I'm <laughs> the way just used he to was it. addressing her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm fine. And he's like, don't worry, it'll go away. And um, I was like, dude, give her like a hug or something. I don't know. She's going through it. I was really feeling for her. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she is not having a good time at all. And you're no help. Like, what the fuck? So, and the, where else is she going to go? you know who's she gonna talk to about this so she's stuck with him waiting for her to get through it and um but yeah i think um by the end when she got through it and she had her like you know first victim or whatever she seemed to be in a little bit more of a controlled state about it well yeah then there was the whole thing where like they bring his his quote body out in a in a uh, in a wrap bag and they just bring it out into the backyard and leave it it's like yeah. You're not gonna and you're not gonna chop it. it up or bury it. You just leave it in the fucking backyard and just think like, oh the flies will get to it. <laughs> yeah. Well she had other plans oh for that body, God. as we found out later. <laughs> mm. So it's like clearly while he was off going to church to find Jesus again, she was just like going into the backyard and dragging that shit into the pool. I I don't know why the pool I need my pool boy back, right? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm going to need somebody around, because like, what the hell? She's like, you know, Dr. Dick is nice, but nothing's harder than diamonds. <laughs> A diamond is forever. Ha <laughs> 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 ha, finger guns. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know where the hell they, uh, like, when, uh, when, Gun, when Hess eventually... Uh, dies i don't know where they found like the actors for this but like it's supposed to be in america right because like he he goes to like a baptist church Mm -hmm. so it is uh it is in america but yet when uh the ambulance guy comes over he just he just does no english good and he's like you called doctor when Mm -hmm. he took sick he found you found he was died 
It's like, <laughs> okay, well, I guess you don't need to figure out proper tenses when you uh, when you're collecting a body, but still. <laughs> um, and that's it for the goods. Uh, now we can move on to the bads, and we always let the guest uh, draw first blood. Mackie, what was your first bad with this movie? I mean, like, I think the only thing that really bothered me was they kind of had, I guess they had issues with, like, the sounds or something like that. Because there was a point where the sound was really kind of, it was a little bit much. And it was too constant, I thought. They were using a lot of musical cues, which felt like for a big chunk of time that um, it just felt like a little bit overwhelming. Like, sensory overload. Yeah, it's like assaulting your ears. Bit yeah. too much, yeah. It got too much at a point, and then I was like, "Come on!" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, um, so stop it. <laughs> that drove me nuts because it would go on for so long. It's like, all right, I get it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I was like, all right, all right, all right. Like you know, and then I really contemplated like fast forwarding through some of them because I'm like, they're just really dragging this now. But then you can't miss any shots. Oh, fuck. this was <laughs> I. This was not, like, something endemic to just this movie. This is just endemic to the 70s. Fucking dragging on shots. Like, trying to, like, I mm. don't know what they're trying to do, but it really doesn't make any sense to me because this was, like, before digital film came al- before digital came along. So you're actually spending money lingering on these fucking shots. Like, real tangible money is being spent on film stock. Just so you can have someone yeah. go through nearly half the length of an of an actual car ride. Yeah, I don't really understand. Or just walking down the street. Like, you can show an establishing shot of about six seconds of them walking down the street. And unless something happens in the street, move on to their fucking destination. Mm-hmm. Like, was there a time clause that we just don't know about? that was going on? <laughs> Your movie has to be at least, like, this long or some shit like that? I don't, I don't know. But yeah, it's it's totally true. Yeah. They love those long lingering shots. Yeah, <sighs> they do a lot of the Dutch camera angles. I tried watching The Graduate, and like half of it's like, yeah, the only reason they're dragging this shit out is because they want to play the entirety of fucking Simon and Garfunkel songs. It's like, hey, Simon and Garfunkel are fucking great. I'm not going to be mad at a Simon and Garfunkel song, but how about you just sh- play oh like God. a verse and a chorus? over the guy on a oh fucking bus and move the fuck on. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. That's so funny. Like, I don't want to stare at Dustin Hoffman for four fucking minutes. Just <laughs> sitting on a bus looking out a fucking window. Thinking about yeah. his college shit. I don't need that. So, John, what's your, uh, what's your first bad? Uh, so... Alright, my first bad with this would be um, now I'm taking this more from a perspective of someone like someone going into this, you're just average viewer doesn't watch experimental movies like this. Um, I, I think now I know it's intentional, but I'd say, you know, this movie is not very big on exposition. I think that's probably how it can be hard to follow because, it's a subtle thing, but there's not a lot of exposition set up once like, you know, beyond like the first, like even the basics of the plot are just talked about in 
the text that's in the very beginning gives the basic background of how Hess got this curse. Um, But in between scenes, it's like, you know, one setting shifts to another setting and there's not as much of that exposition leading into that next scene. Though it is in there, it's just a different type of visual language. But I guess if I were trying to, like, recommend a movie to some other, like, viewer, it'd be like, okay, you might find this a turnoff, you know, is that... Yeah, it might. You might be like, "What the fuck are you watching? Why'd you suggest this?" To yeah, me? I, yeah. I kept asking. So I, I, I gotta kept be asking, fair "How there. did these people get here? Why are they here? Yeah. Well, how did they get here?" Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, that's the thing. It, it's it can't. That's I, true. I think that's probably the one thing that makes the movie feel the most aloof is that mm-hmm. it's is that very factor. But I doing a little more deep dive into this, seeing some other film critics and people who have way more time to study this than I do uh, have, have pointed out that this is a deliberate thing. So I, I do, yeah. I'm trying to give, I do respect that, but being deliberate um, doesn't mean it's still good though. Yeah. Well, and I think like, <clears throat> again, I think a lot of people, yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean good, but that, again, good. That's a value judgment. That's subjective. So I, I don't See, think that's, Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's why I was having a hard time. I was like, well, this is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. So I, it feels like um, it's either you like it or you don't. Yeah. Kind of situation. So, yeah. and and you have to sit down and think about it a little bit, right? And, I mean, like, um, there's, like, some popular movies, like 2001 Space Odyssey. It's supposed to be like, oh, it's an excellent movie, and there are excellent parts, but it is a fucking long movie. Yeah, and there's a lot, and that's another there's one. There's a lot there's of not nothing much. in that movie. Yeah, there's... There are iconic mm. scenes. Very good iconic scenes, like well, the My God, It's Full of Stars, and the the apes beating the fuck out of each other in front of the monolith. That's great. I can't do that, Dave. Also a great scene. Too bad there's like 90 minutes of just fucking people floating in, in space, walking along a wall, or just a bunch of fuck all happening. It's, yeah... It's one of those things. It's not. That's another good example of a movie. It doesn't. It's not laden with tons of exposition. Um, but uh, you this know, movie again, was ahead of its time. In that, <laughs> it's ahead of its time in that it was made for you to be playing with your phone in a time when people didn't have cell phones. Yeah, this definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I also think about like these are movies made for people who had longer attention spans than i do <laughs> oh my god it's like you know what i you know i was like maybe i just don't have the brain to absorb this the same way but i had this back when i was a child but <laughs> yeah that was but, back in the uh, 80s just before the internet came along and just devastated our attention spans yeah but yeah, um, i was gonna say our attention spans are shite now yeah <laughs> I, I don't know with all that said though it's like I try to also be conscious of maybe my own bias, you know, when I'm coming into this, but I, I would just, I, I would put that into a bad category. Yeah. It's like, it's hard to follow. Mm. It's not, it's hard to follow because of that feature there. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, and, and just the it's different not types exactly of exactly linear. Yeah. And that coupled with the cinematography in there can, um, 
it, it can be intriguing if you're a big film student, but like I said, if you're a, your average moviegoer, yeah, it's it's going to probably lose most people, I'd say. But mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it did. Yeah. Uh, my first bad is, uh, and John's going to get this, tubby time with Lionel Richie. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Because if you saw oh. the movie Creep, you know what tubby time is. Yeah. Oh, my God. Rich, as soon as you said that, it's like, God, bring so it back. Brush. Bring it back. Right. Flash, this man is flashbacks. brushing his teeth in the bathtub. The like toothbrush. That's bad enough, but he didn't bring like a little Dixie cup for him to leave the toothbrush in. No, no, no. He's dipping the brush in the fucking tub, which is already gray. It's not clear <laughs> yeah. water. It's clear enough where you can see his dong. But it's not clear enough where you can see the bottom of the fucking tub. You can't even see his feet or his legs. No. It's just Ew. gross as fuck. And also, I showed you, there is something floating slash swimming in the tub. It's brown and something. it's moving around in the water. Is it poop? Is it? Did, did, does he have a pet fish that he takes baths with? I don't fucking know. Yeah. When this- he, he stuck his head in the water... To like gargle <laughs> Dude, I feel like we need like a soundboard right now because I would totally want to cue up the sound from like the scene from Caddyshack where the kid's like swimming in the pool and he's like, duty! I've <laughs> 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 seen that part. Oh, like, so, that's what this podcast needs a fucking soundboard where you can just cue little like yeah. clips. You know? I mean, optimistically, <laughs> he's taking a bath and brushing his teeth with his fish, or he pooped in the tub. I don't fucking know. Either way is gross. You know what? At that point, he was like, this is not going to be my problem. After. <laughs> you know? I, that's, that's I was like, he just doesn't give a shit well, anymore. Well, because it's in the tub. <laughs> but, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, I guess he gave maybe, it, though. Maybe it's supposed to be symbolic about how much hope he really has lost. <laughs> He's yeah, sinking he to this level. Brushing his teeth with bathwater is a metaphor for, well, if you're white, you just won't get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you've definitely got to points where it's like, Okay, you're definitely at the point of... You definitely don't give a shit about anything anymore. You don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. And when he's, he's when, he's, when he's on the floor after shooting himself, uh, the blood on the... Well, basically the blood throughout the whole movie just looks like tomato soup or paint. It don't look like yeah, blood. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It looked like tomato yeah. soup big time. It's back during that time. <laughs> they that still was it was still that like ketchup red kind of thing. Like it stuck this was out. ketchup orange. It stuck out. Okay. Well, yeah, actually even ketchup is darker than that, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that's why I said yeah. tomato soup. Ketchup is ketchup actually looks like you know, bloodish, but this yeah. this was like orange blood basically. The only time yeah, it, it was it had like an orangeness to it for sure. But I was thinking, like, the, the sex scene between Ganja and Hess was the only time it looked really cool, though, <laughs> with the lightning and shit. Yeah. It's stylized, you know? It's like it, The way they, they, like, did that shot, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. I definitely noticed it. I, like, I, sh- it didn't... I mean, I definitely noticed the blood wasn't exactly the most impressive thing, but yeah. I, it didn't exactly take me out of the movie, yeah. but, yeah. I mean, like, it did make, so, it did make me wonder... Also, why, like, there were so many questionable things about this scene. Like, not only, like, the bathtub scene, but also what he did afterwards when he killed himself. Like, you stab the fuck out of a guy and then kill yourself. Like, 
what is the fucking reasoning behind this guy? He was going through something. <laughs> um, because, like, if, if I, you I think, think it was... oh, he was afflicted with the curse, you don't have to give it to someone else. You can just be like, I don't like being a vampire. Boom, I kill myself. I mean, it did it with, uh, I mean, it worked for uh, Hess. He didn't have to kill someone when he decided, oh, I'm tired of being a vampire. He just went to Jesus and went like, please kill me. And then he lied down on the ground and Jesus was like, okay. And he killed him. This guy needed a fucking yeah. gun. Also, if he was a vampire trying to pass on the curse, we know vampires are bulletproof. Because Hess gets shot a bunch of times by a pimp. And a hooker. And he's fine. This guy puts one bullet in him and he drops, so he was a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really wish we had a little bit more, like, information on, on him, because he, I was like, this guy is unhinged, but I want to know why. I had no idea who the <laughs> fuck that guy was, why he was there. Like, apparently he's just like, oh yeah, Hess is studying this guy for, I, I don't know, why. He, if he's a, like, he's a doctor, so he's just asking me, like, hey, can I talk to you about the dagger? Oh, I can get you real acquainted with the dagger. <laughs> it's like, yeah. there was no... It would have been nice, like, even if this guy mysteriously kills himself, and then the rest of the movie's like, why was this guy a fucking crackpot? Why did he do this thing? What was his agenda? Did the dagger have a demon in it that compelled him to stab people? Was there anything that justified why people did things, period? Would have been nice. Maybe I've just been spoiled by movies that make sense. <laughs> Yeah, right where like it's that exposition you're kind of missing there it's like a bit yeah. of it's uh motivation exposition any fucking thing that explains oh that's why that happened rather than to be like okay this happened that happened that happened it's two hours later oh it's over okay good yeah no like i again i i know this movie is not for me but i wanted to have something that you know, when I heard when I heard that this was supposed to talk about like black assimilation and Christianity, it's like I'm ready to listen to I'm I'm ready to hear about those things. They just didn't talk about them. They just showed yeah. these things, and I'm like, so I just have to guess that this is what they mean by it. The ending kind of like threw me off. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, I was expressing to you, I was like, what the fuck? Oh, we're not there yet. We we, we usually do this in order, but. <laughs> we're, we're no, just no, no, I, I wanted to... no, about the um the religious aspect. Oh yeah, because it starts with the religious aspect, just... with like the gospel song going on, talking about uh, like I said, like you know, people thirsted for knowledge until the Christians came, and then they thirsted for blood. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I didn't get any indicator that I, I that I could think of that would have led us to that point. So I was like, what? Did you, what? <laughs> yeah, there is no so, like, interstitial no. tissue. Yeah, that's what I was, I was like, on your point, basically, about that. Yeah. yeah. And that's like an overlapping bad that goes throughout the rest of the movie. We may it, it may come up a time or two, but, I mean, it's first brought on with, with Lionel Richie dancing in the bathtub rather than the <laughs> ceiling. And just mm. doing all that weird sh stuff. So, uh, Maggie, what's your next yeah. bad? I didn't like the fact that it got, like, mad religious at the end. That one really pissed me off. Um, which, as I was mentioning, I was saying to you, I was like, you know, I, I was like, why? How? Um, interesting fact, though, about that scene is mm -hmm. 
that uh, Dwayne Jones actually ex- had a religious experience filming that scene. Like, for real, for real. Huh. And um, when he was walking, like, they basically, like, people were trying he to talk it. to him and whatnot, and he wasn't being receptive to it. He was having, like, a real spiritual moment, um, it was said. And the, the dude that played the priest, just pure actor. It's not like, you know, he was, like blessed by anyone or anything there was no it was well, just he was a musician everyone was actor yeah it was like the music um, for the movie. there was no there was no yeah but there was no um any sort of like unironic religious ties or anything to that scene or whatever and he just had he got into that moment um that pretty hard he had his own he kind of had like a spiritual awakening it was said but yeah, I don't like the way that it kind of like led up to that, and because I don't know how it led up to that, and I feel like yeah, if there was an explanation for I, it, it would have been nice. Nothing led up to it, and nothing better. tied back to it. Yeah, and um, yeah, and then also t- I feel like it was like a kind of like. Maybe they just didn't know how to end the movie, so let's throw some, you know, praise Jesus shit into it and just kind of like be like, all right, well, that's it. <laughs> yeah, we, we can, when, what, when this mean, is all done, we can try to figure out what he may have meant because there's so many different paths. There's, yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, this movie kind of. It just shows you things, and it kind of just leaves you there holding the bag about why people do that. <laughs> yeah, you know? holding the bag. And, yeah. you know, and maybe that works for certain people. I just, you know, I, I could see, like, that it, it comes off. It's really weird, you know? Yeah, I need it's you to, just, I need you to take my hand at some point, like... You can have a yeah. bit of symbolism in a movie, but at some point you got to hold my hand and be like, "This is where I'm going with it." Yeah, um, it, it doesn't. Yeah, it's definitely not something really. It really, it, it it branches off in a lot of different ways, and it's like it gets a little bit yeah. lost in its own deliberate attempt to be ambiguous. And it gets a bit. Hmm. It gets muddled. Yeah, you know. Instead of being like, find your own path along this street at this point you've brought me into orbit and now i need i need a fucking tether to get back to the mothership or else i'm gonna die out here yeah yeah for sure um you know it's a lot of stuff that like when you break conventions that much you see why those conventions exist in the first place they're, they're they're singing like, come on down to Jesus, come on down the mountain. Meanwhile, I'm just like, this is my control, the Major Tom. <laughs> Get me back to uh, Earth. Well, I, I can just say on that scene, it also is goes on way too long. It's a bit too drawn out. It Again, fucking fucking seventies lingering. Yeah, this is this is where the fucking cranberries wrote that song. Do you have to let it linger? <laughs> they made it for fucking seventies movies. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I was just sitting here watching and just like, you know, okay, well now what? We didn't we don't even have and Simon then- and Garfunkel. <laughs> oh, I mean, if you're gonna be spending yeah, like eight just- minutes on a fucking scene, at least let me hear sounds of silence. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that... Then he just goes home and apparently... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was done. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, and he just goes home and everything's gone. Don't know why. Don't know where. Oh. And he just sits in front of the cross until he dies. Which is so fuck. Which... This I... is like fucking Star Wars. Like... Oh, why is this person dying? Like they have a broken heart. <laughs> They're dying of sadness. Yeah, I just, I didn't, I just. That uh, is a real thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that uh, does happen. <laughs> yeah. It totally happens. Like, people could die. No, like, they may do, they may do things out of sadness that can cause their death. But, you know, it's not like, oh, they got real sad, so they're just going to lie down and. In like three minutes, they'll be dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'm, go- I'm going to sad myself. Today. Yeah, people don't. Yeah, people don't die of a broken heart in that way. But yeah, people. Yeah. I was like, it does happen. Like people literally do die yeah. because yeah. of that. But yeah, not like in that way. We're like, oh, we lay down. They could have <laughs> yeah. just had some. They could have had some time lapse <laughs> stuff where he just like, like stays in front of the cross and just doesn't leave until he dies. But no, he just. Gets in front of him and he's just like, "Kill me, Jesus!" And Jesus is just like, "You know this whole thing about the Bible about uh, I'm how how I'm against suicide? That was totally a misinterpretation on your part. I'm totally down with people ending their lives at any point." Yeah, like he was asking for a pass, okay, and then I guess he got it. Oh, but uh, again, like that's but... at the end. We're just still getting started with this movie. Yeah. Um, whose turn was it? I think it was John's. Oh, yeah. Talking about the- <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I made a note, and I think we've already talked about it a bit already, but just, yeah, at times, like, you know, just the assault on the ears that oh, the, the soundtrack could be. Yeah, whenever they go, it starts great. I was like, and I like, like, I appreciate the motif and how that always is like a theme and how it represents the bloodlust and probably a lot of other things. But God, you just like, tuned it up yeah. way Tribal too damn children. loud. Tribal children being like, okay, this is like, you know, like the hunger of the ancestors of, of this tribe. Like the hunger of this tribe is imbued in the knife and now it is in you. I get that. You can have like yeah. the hunger being like, oh, like the sounds of the jungle. Like if that's your story, go with it. But when they they overlay it with this fucking electric shaver held to the microphone, where it's just like <laughs> me, yeah. and I'm being oh, gentle. Yeah. I'm being fucking gentle in my imitation of it. It was maddening. And again, oh, God, just like right. everything else in the fucking seventies, it was way too long. Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, our fucking our little. Our ADHD brains just can't handle this shit anymore, also, right? Also, <laughs> it's so greeting during the attack scenes, like, you know, half music, like, when something's being attacked. Like, you can give me intense music, but this is annoying, not intense. There's a yeah. fucking difference. It's killing my buzz. You're killing my buzz <laughs> with this buzz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, there, there's some interesting music selection throughout this movie, but it's just the way music's used often they didn't distribute it very well and yeah you know it's and again i i i did i have heard some people say like you know all of this is supposed to come together to make you feel uneasy and stuff but i'm like 
<laughs> that doesn't really end up being like, okay, yeah, I get it. It, it makes its objective. It does its objective, but I don't know if that's an experience I want to have when I watch a movie. I'm like, well, if you wanted to make me all like annoyed and uneasy and just whatever and confused. Yeah. Yeah, you just definitely did that, but <laughs> yeah, you oh. know, was that really, uh, I don't know, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a really enriching experience either, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why I had to like grab onto parts where I was, where I could kind of get um, an anchor on what's supposed to be happening. Yeah. Because there was obviously like a deliberate kind of pattern. Right. But And there's definitely some events that. Well, because, you know, we talk about, like, you know, Ganja, she's kind of, like, the catalytic character of this. But she doesn't show up until 40 minutes into the movie. So, mm-hmm. it's, I, I don't know, with all that kind of coupled together, yeah, it could just be a little hard to, uh, yeah, like, to really follow what's going on. And then there's not as mm-hmm. many of those, again, that e- expository dialogue. <laughs> and it just Yeah, because by the by the time that time's passed, you've forgotten what you just watched. Yeah. And you're like, oh, what are we doing now? Oh, right. Wait, it, hold on. <laughs> I guess, you know, yeah, it, it all kind of comes together in this weird, it feels like a fever dream. Yeah. It's like a yeah, fever dream. Like yeah, a fever dream. Just because. Thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, I, I think, yeah, deliberate, but yeah, good. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know it's about a that. Perfect word. I was. I thought of that too when I was trying to think of how to really. Yeah, it's like a fever dream. Yeah, yeah. They could have just done that with the jungle, with the, the with the the jungle tribe music. Right. That fucking electric shaver trying to- was just fucking. <laughs> that that was the straw that broke everything. Like, you can have the rhythm. Like this is like the hunger of the the ancestors. It, like that that makes sense okay I, I can get on board with that but you're just assaulting that that triggers my 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 fight reflex like there's stars, <laughs> like it, it's it's like on par the same level of aggravation as a baby crying it, it, it triggers the fight or flight reflex yeah um i i, I feel like some of the sound choices that they made even though they were supposed to reflect something that was happening in the scene, I was like, but why this sound? What What for? <laughs> yeah. You know? If you, want, if you um, want to convey that the characters are being annoyed by this hunger, that's fine. But you don't, you should not annoy the viewers because the viewers can fucking leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Intentionally annoying is still annoying. <laughs> yes definitely is uh, 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 micro bad was that it would have been nice if the foreign language portion had subs I wish to actually I forgot about that yeah I, I would have liked to at least know, like I, I guess they weren't trying to stress the importance of what they were saying but I still would have liked to know if it doesn't you know? matter why is it well, in the movie I, I don't even know why that scene's in the movie at all exactly I mean, I, I'm I his remarked son on it before. Matter. I was like, this very odd scene. His but. son never comes back. His son doesn't come to meet him at the end or like hold his hand at his deathbed because his son doesn't matter. Therefore, the scene yeah. with his son doesn't matter either. <laughs> but it's still in the movie and it's still 10 fucking minutes long. Bill Gunn knew that you'd be expecting that. 
And he's like, he's listen, like, I, I know that that's that I know that's a thing, but I'm not going to do that. Okay? You you could eat, you yeah, could either wa- you, you could watch him talk to his kid in a language you won't understand for ten minutes, or you can keep watching me in the tub brushing my teeth for another oh. ten minutes. What's it going to be, motherfucker? Pick your no, poison. Here it is. This is what it is, okay? He's like, you want Chekhov's gun? No, fuck that. I'm Bill Gun. All right, <laughs> Bill's gun. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, <laughs> it's like you're getting the Bill Gun. All right, <laughs> where uh, I don't yeah. do the thing. All right. <laughs> the uh, the, um, the main the bad. <laughs> well, we got a lot out of that. That was just like a small complaint I was going to do, but. The main yeah. bad is the fucking wedding scene. I fucking hated this because every person at their wedding looks fucking <laughs> miserable. And we don't know anybody. Yeah. yeah. Everybody well, is fucking sad. Nobody is like, hey, this is your precious union. You two have known each other for all of what? Four days. And we have watched your love blossom. And we are so happy for you. No. Everybody is just like, why the fuck are we though. here? Nobody gives yeah. a fuck, and that includes the priest who shows up in a denim shirt. What the <laughs> fuck does this say yeah. about their yeah. characters? Well, Nobody is happy about their blessed union and their nuptials. This says everything about them, that they're fucking assholes. Even their friends are miserable to be around them. <laughs> on their best day. Well, I mean, because they're just kind of like... her. her- Peers are like, who the fuck is he? And, you know, and vice versa. And why are we here? Yeah. I wish they would like, ask that. <laughs> I wish that they would engage with these fucking like, what people. Is going on? They just yeah. show up, look <laughs> sad, hold drinks, and then they never show up again. Who the fuck are these people to these characters? This guy's supposed to be a fucking playwright. Do you know how an ensemble works? Do you know how characters exist? They don't exist in a vacuum. They have connections with other people. Nobody here is connected. They're like, you're supposed to just see that, and you're supposed to read that in between the lines, okay? You know? Yeah, what I read, what I read <laughs> is that Stupid Ga- American. <laughs> what I read is that Ganja and Hess are just fucking assholes who don't have actual friends. They just grabbed a couple of their coworkers and just said, "Look, you'll get paid time off if you show up." Yeah. Well, that well, does yeah, actually. I would say, I, I guess to be fair, that is pretty in line with the characterization of Hess that you kind of get throughout the movie that is pretty consistent because that guy is really aloof and he's He's a very passive character Um, but I don't know but no I'm with you though it's just a very it just makes these characters seem more unlikable because there's no context to it you know there's no or at least not context in a way that i think is easily digestible and just makes it just i don't know yeah but again it's that whole like you're kind of left holding the bag of like well you know you're supposed to read really deep into this and watch these really Mm -hmm. long extended shots and you know while you're having your film you know film theory class you pause the movie and be like Okay, class, now watch this scene very closely. Look at this symbol over here. Look at the white dove up here in the background. (laughs) This actually secretly means a bunch of different things. The fact that it flaps its wings two times to the left, that's actually symbolic for the fall of the Roman Empire or some shit, you know? Like, (laughs) it's like. Yeah, yeah. it's fun to watch people say that shit, but it's like, 
get the fuck off. Like, if you yeah, get a message, have your characters fucking say it. They don't have to, like, hold up a big placard saying, I don't like slavery, but at least you can have a metaphor represented visually by something characters <laughs> do rather than being like, okay, you see oh. these handcuffs that are always on the side of the bed? This is what this is to symbolize their oppression in their sexual relationship. Yeah. Well, you always run the risk. I think where it comes down to, because as much as I, again, because I do like experimentation in film, but you always run the risk of coming off pretentious. Oh, boy. That yeah. That's the thing. You fuck a fine line with it between being. That's true. You, you oh, always God, will run so the risk. And, and, and even when. And again, that'll be subjective. Even when you do make something that's really good, there'll always be somebody who thinks, oh, that's just pretentious. But. You know, I, yeah, there's, I would definitely say, yeah, there's at points where it's like, okay, I, maybe I get there's some symbolism here, but this is just too, sometimes it gets too artsy, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus also, like, if the fact that you can't, if you can't have your characters be likable by even other characters that you're writing, what does it say about your writing? Or who these people are supposed to be? because like you know not you mentioned it um well i mean i know for sure i didn't like ganja um i was like oh she's oh it's like this huh (laughs) so but um i was really more interested in dr hess's like journey but not necessarily like i didn't really feel connected to him per se nobody did like no. You look at the wedding, yeah. nobody's connected to him. No one's walking up to him no. saying, hey man, how'd you meet this girl? Or nothing. Yeah. The only person that made commentary about... S- yeah, sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. Um, I was going to say his butler. His butler seemed to be the only person that really expressed knowing him. Yeah. <laughs> like when she was like making demands to go into the the, the whatever, the cellar or whatever it was, right? Um, he was the only one that seemed to have like external insight as to who he was, what he, what his expectations were, like the way he was speaking to her about the fact that like, no, you're not allowed to go down there because of this and this and this or whatever. And I was like, go on because what, what's going on? Like what, you know, what did you guys chat about? (laughs) Yeah. You know, but other than that, yeah, he was very, very much so like. I don't want to say a one-dimensional character because he was definitely going through some struggle, but yeah, it was just the way they depicted it. You had to be really intent on sitting and watching it, and you because that's how that I guess that's the way that we were supposed to get to know him was through is through like you know the senses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although that way was just a fucking Remington pressed up against the Blue Yeti for. Mm-hmm. For like yeah. three like minutes straight. He, yeah, we we knew that he was like going through waves of guilt. We knew he had like the <laughs> bloodlust sickness that you know. So like, okay, so we get this. He he doesn't like what he's doing, but he's doing it. Okay, I get that. And then you move on. Yeah. And but yeah, I never really like that's how that's how I watched the movie. It distracted from other things because it. You could say that there was more metaphor going on, like, in his hunger, he didn't go after his own class of people, he went downtown to go see the dregs, like, 
hookers and pimps. Basically, he went like uh, like the taxi cab route. Like, ooh, death wish. I'm gonna I'm gonna clean up the scum from the street because no one's gonna be looking out for them. Like, so there could have been some story about class distinction. Like, he's like he's not even going after white people. He's not like rebelling or taking on anything. He's still going after poor black people. There was something that could have been explored there, but they didn't. Instead, they give us a, an assault on the ears and no real connection with these people or even how they see or experience the world because we're distracted by the missteps because they're not small. Mm. Like, I wanted to see a story about struggle, addiction, black identity, its entanglement with Christianity, but the way it's presented, I'm not getting any of that. Like, I'm getting the pieces, but it's kind of like going into the fridge, throwing the ingredients into a stew pot, and not even turning on the pot. You're just like, (laughs) we're looking at fucking eggs in their shell, bouncing around next next to a potato that hasn't even been peeled. And, like, there's no broth going on. Like, you got the ingredients, but you know you got to fucking do some shit with them. Mm -hmm. And and I didn't see the ingredients being prepared in this. Uh, You know what, though? I mean, they probably, because, like, we talked about earlier, that's why they did so many um, um, different cuts of it, because they weren't satisfied with how their original mm. cut went either. I know, but just with... So that goes to... Even with all they filmed, like, a little trimming's not gonna do it. You need reshoots. Yeah. Like, full-blown Rico. Gosh, could you imagine? Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what Spike Lee did. <laughs> yeah, and that movie didn't well, fare out. Well, who knows? Does yeah. Who knows to say how that fared out? I mean, I, I would imagine at least being a modern movie that it would not have as many lingering shots. At least, even if it's a shot-for-shot remake, those shots have to be shorter. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Definitely. So, uh, do you have any more bads, uh, Mackie? Because I know you said you didn't write many down. Because if not, then I can go to John. Um, We're pretty much talking about them. Yeah. Um, Whatever it is that, you know, just, uh, I think, no. I don't think I have anything else to add, really. Okay, because I got like one or two, but I've I've been ranting on mine for a while. Uh, Yeah. John, do you have any more bads? Oh, um, I guess I could just make some comment here i guess you know we just talked about the uh uh what's his name you know ganja's husband in the beginning i just felt like you know his his role was a bit underdeveloped you know mm-hmm. uh maybe just feeding into that i would have liked to know some more on that front there um just yeah like and well and even maybe the same thing with the butler too you know just some of these other characters that seem to have some well yeah feel like they should have some significance but especially because the butler's just like you my boss is fucking dead but you can can just intriguing lines of dialogue you can just crash at this place we won't call the police and you can be my boss now since you're a doctor you can afford me (laughs) like you just squat here now and that's fucking fine we're just gonna let this happen (laughs) 
<laughs> Everybody's cool with Lionel Richie being dead. And this guy just usurping his life. Lionel <laughs> Richie. Right. Yeah, no, no, um, no inquiries, really. Well, and, I mean, I know Ganja did, but. <laughs> well, and, and then maybe we could just throw in, like, the diamond guy. I don't know. What, like, did, did Ganja, like, raise him back from the dead or something? He just, like, gets up out of a grave and he's just run across the field. Oh, the, the most important things are un. As, the most important thing is no I connective tissue. Good Archie's dead. It, but I why? Reason why they showed this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Archie's dead. Why? Why kill Archie? Even in the remake, <laughs> Remy Malik is the guy, and he Remy Malik is the, uh, the 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 domestic servant. Butler. He also gets killed. Mm. But I think at least in this version, we actually show the murder because, oh, I looked up uh, the sweet blood of Jesus. It's hundred and twenty-three minutes. Ganja and Hess was 110. This movie's actually fucking longer. Woo! Spike Lee <laughs> decided we need to expand on this movie. And rather than expanding the parts that we felt definitely needed to be covered, I guess he's going to... I don't know what the fuck. We're going to have to... Uh, someone's going to have to bite the bullet and watch this movie. To, I'm going to watch uh, it. Okay, you, you, you volunteered as <laughs> tribute. You will... See this movie and let us know if we should cover it as a, you know, because we've done remakes. So you can let us know if this is worth watching or if it's just, you know, not saying anything new with this. Because th this was a, uh, this was the first of Spike Lee's films to be funded through Kickstarter. Really? So this was a crowdfunded movie in 2014. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and well, uh, apparently Spike Lee's production company is called Forty Acres and a Mule. Forty Acres <laughs> and nice. a Mule. <laughs> well, yeah, from the uh, from the whole reconstruction thing that never really panned out, thanks to <laughs> Lincoln deciding, oh no, if I have a vice president who's a Confederate, that's going to work out just fine. Then he died, and the Confederate guy's like, you know, all that progress, fuck that, bye. <clears throat> but. Uh, as for my final bad, uh, when he goes to the uh, like he goes to church, and then decides like I'm tired of being a vampire, and then he goes to the cross and just stays in front of it until it, it vaporizes him with Christ beams. I I don't know how it happens with Christ beams. <laughs> I, I thought, I, oh, yeah, then we I, see I leaves know. on the floor, and I'm like, did Jesus turn him into into leaves? Is this like supposed? <laughs> is Jesus Gaia? Is his, is, did he get killed by Captain Planet? Is he a tree? What the fuck happened? Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And then that was supposed to be killing him. I mean, and, and when yeah, I, I saw mean, the I, I saw the leaves on the floor, and no. I just thought Archie's gonna be pissed. And then we yeah, find out, life, oh no, Wayne was having a spiritual moment there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> turns out Archie's not gonna be pissed about all these leaves being tracked on the floor because he's fucking dead already. She drank that poor fool. <laughs> like. What the fuck did Archie do wrong? Archie was a good manservant. I think that was an indicator of her taking over. Yeah, but you can still like pay you know, the fucking guy. Like, he was a good and then <laughs> he was a good servant. <laughs> Is she going to be doing her and vacuuming from was, now you know, on? Not. So she, is she going to be yeah, dusting? Find somebody. Uh, she's going to be doing. Like, yeah, because she, yeah, she, she's not going to. She do doesn't it. strike me as a woman who's going to be doing the fucking dusting and cleaning she's all those curtains. Yeah, I, they they were trying to symbolize some empowerment for her, but it's like, yeah, again, I I don't know. Yeah, you do that by I, killing. I feel your like husband. they missed the mark there. You do that by <laughs> like, killing your husband, not fucking. Uh, who was the guy on uh, 
on uh, Fresh Prince was that Jefferson? Oh, Jeffrey. 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 I know you don't yeah. fucking kill Jeffrey Gee. to to assert your man to your femininity. Like you know, keep him on retainer. That guy's you know you fucking respect Evans. He does his fucking job. You don't kill him. Yeah. Well, she probably you know he can that. keep a secret. First of all, she. Yeah, really though. But um, first of all, she probably figured that. Um, well, first of all, she's new. She's inexperienced to this lifestyle, right? So she probably hadn't figured out any sort of system as to what kind, like who her victims were going to be. I think she probably just struggled with about a bloodlust and just kind of like went for the closest thing, which unfortunately would have been Archie, right? Ah. So that's one. And then on top of that. She probably, you know, also realized that Hess was, like, you know, being weird. She seemed to, like, you know, kind of keep herself, you know, um, got herself some insurances in order, right? And she probably just wants to start, because she realizes that Archie was loyal to Hess, not her, (laughs) you know? So could you imagine, like, you know, something happens to Hess and then it's just her and Archie. Archie's not going to give a shit about this woman. She's awful. Well, yeah. I mean, she is the wife of the guy, so I guess, the, I guess the check would still... Put it that way. I guess the checks would still be in, like, mm. the boss's name. I, I don't know, but I mean, like, I figured she was, like, if she's just going to be... she's going to do this and live out the lifestyle, she's probably going to take over the compound or yeah. whatever. It's... And she just start start building her own wealth. I mean, right? she's got the diamond guy. They can hire a new butler, I guess. Yeah, and she's got her. She's got like her pool boy. Yeah, she's got her little boy toy. She's got diamond she's booty in the big ass house. Diamond booty hiding in the fucking pool. I mean, why hide in the pool? Because the we woman. see <laughs> we see the coroners go and pick up the body, uh-huh. and I'm like, wow, you're really trusting that nobody like wandered around the premises and be like, hey, there's another fucking body in the pool. Are we going to take it? Are we taking that too? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But anyways, that's my theories as to why she killed Archie, because otherwise it's like, come on now. He was was a good fucking guy. Like, there wasn't anything bad about him. He was a good dude. He came with the house, okay. (laughs) So part of uh, the... Yeah, I I just thought this movie had, like, utterly wasted potential. Like, the guy said he didn't want to make a vampire movie, and boy, he sure didn't. Yeah. Because I read that this was a story about, like, addictions, black identity, Christianity, and I wanted to see them breaking free of it, but in the end, we see Hess submitting to it. Like, I why... He turns this woman into a vampire, and immediately, the post-nut clarity ends up sending him to Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, it's... You know, like I would rather it. die like, than minute. spend my. I would rather die than spend a year married to this woman. He, he submitted I was to say, monotheism. I was like, what have I done? <laughs> Boring. I, I, yeah, he was like, wait a minute. I'm gonna have to spend the rest of my days with this yeah. woman, which is eternity for all intents and purposes. Yeah, he made her a. Fu- he fun? made her a fucking vampire. <laughs> he did this. He wanted this. I knew. He, like, <laughs> yep. I, I can't instant regret. Yeah, I want to hate. I want to hate mm-hmm. Ganja. But I yeah, hate buyer's remorse. I want to hate him too. He's just like, <laughs> oh, I found this woman, and you know, she's nice. She's she's good to go, and 
Like, I was yeah, like, man, we, I was really hoping she'd leave, but oh no, she no, she wants yeah. to stay. Shit, what am I gonna do? <laughs> I mean, I, I thought it, I thought it was gonna Jeez. drive her off after I stabbed her in the chest with a fucking ancient dagger and then asked her to marry me. That shit would drive off most women. Yeah. Why did she say I yes? Her nope, she fucking still stayed here. Oh. <laughs> she was into it. She was a freak. And yeah. then he just, uh, you know, she, she was like, she came to like it more than he did. He, he started to feel yeah. ashamed, and then she as soon as they get married took it as a vehicle for her to be empowered as soon as they get yeah it's well it's hard to say empowered like where was like a lack of power to begin with because she seemed like the fucking boss the moment she rolled in so it's hard to say like what power she gained well she always seemed like she was in charge yeah but she also was already at a point where she was angry because her husband had been gone for a long time but she did seem to exp- I, I like. I mean, she's the one that came home. She's the one that dialogue about her mom, which was a bit ridiculous. But I get what they were trying to convey there. So it's kind of like, yeah. all right, fuck that, fuck try it. Like, she tells me the only thing I have going for me is I'm beautiful or whatever. Well, you know, fuck all that. May as well use I'm, that. I don't need no man. You know, just I'm just whatever. gonna fuck everyone but, I see. Just yeah, I don't need a yeah, man, and yet we only see her with men. She she does things. Yeah, like. If she was empowered, you'd think she'd be a vampire on her own. But the second her husband dies, she's got spare dick in the pool waiting for her. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> so she doesn't need a man. She just happens to have one at every single moment of the, she, of the, she of just, the time she's on camera. She doesn't need it, but you know, she's just got one at her disposal when she wants to entertain it. You know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they're there for if, her amusement, but not necessity. You know. Yeah, if it's about empowerment, like you. you there's there's got to be better ways to show it like show her being weak every time we see her she has to tell us that she was weak in the past rather than showing her being weak in any of the moments we see her yeah yeah so well, when she was transitioning she was going through it she had they, to heavily depend on Hess. Yeah, it's definitely in a very like i mean well, it's well, he did over, lure her, like an exaggeratingly he did lure her into the he did lure her into the yard to stab her. So I don't know if that's empowerment or just like, you know, he fucking stabbed her. It, I don't know. That's I guess in some ways it's like a clap back mm. at sort of like patriarchal systems that were probably a little different at that time. Because I feel like in some ways, you know, like now I feel like if you're trying to communicate that in a movie today, you would probably have a different sensibility to it than you would hear. Like, I don't know, like in some ways it's exaggeratingly provocative because of just the context of that, you know, like this is what being provocative would be. But now I feel like it just, yeah. Also, I, I think it's like my sensibility. Yeah. I agree with you. Actually, I'd say, you know, I don't know how empowering that really is, but I get what they're trying to say. It is empowering, but this is more in a kind of just mm. like, well, you know, like misogyny being met with a sort of like a kind of misinjury, you know. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. it's it's a clapback, a sort of like you know, her character is supposed to break a lot of conventions of how like a female character is supposed to act in a movie, you know. And particularly a female black woman. Yeah. Because, exactly. Yeah. Um. You know. She was, you know, to comment on her being in charge of her sexuality and stuff like that, you know, black women and and black girls are often sexualized um, 
and yeah, that's like that's there's a whole lot to unpack there. So the fact that um, you know she was confident in her sexuality, that she liked sex, that it was okay, that you know she she felt comfortable in that, and everything was also pretty bold too because yeah, there's this whole. There's like this whole thing attached to black women and being, you know, quote yeah. unquote fast, you know, and stuff like that. So um, I thought that was interesting that they kind of had her be in control of, of her sexuality and her sex life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it was hard to believe that like this was like a love story to see how quickly she got over. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you yeah. think you would see something like at the passage of time, like, you know, some snowfall and then trees back in bloom so we can get like. Yeah, it's been a couple of months. She's had time to <laughs> grieve. No, her husband dies, turns no. into some fucking leaves, and I don't know what mm-hmm. the hell the coroners are, are running off with. They took they they took a body, so yeah, he didn't turn was... into leaves. What were the leaves on the floor? Like, did he leave the door open when he crawled to, to to the cross? And again, what is the point? Like, is it about how you know black people submit to the cross and they give up they give up their lives to submit to the cross? And that they're condemning themselves to die and be replaced. Am I reading too much into this? Because he's not telling me anything. I'm just left to wander. Yeah. Mm. Well, and he's even said, I think even here too, he was like, he was trying to lead the audience to sort of figure out what the meaning of it is. But yeah, like there was one interpretation I thought was a little interesting though. I will just say to say on this was just like, okay, so like the... Christianity has this worldview of like time and everything being very linear and mm-hmm. you know and the the curse the blood curse that is in Hess and Ganja you know is kind of has more of like African roots like and you know even pre-Egyptian you know like more of an ancient time and some of these cultures view time as cyclical and non-linear and mm-hmm. even the way the move the movie is shot and even the weird ways that it breaks all these conventions is supposed to be more in line with that. And yeah. him yeah. that may have been his attempt, but it's it was hard him for me to submitting see it. to the the preacher and Christianity are supposed to represent the, the Christian linear point of view and he's sort of like submitting to that. At, at least that's just this inter- interpretation I, I came across even just reading over this article and yeah, I don't know. It's interesting when I think about it like that, but you know, just it's, uh, I, you know, again, it's like, I don't, I don't feel like that's something like, I, I can't, I didn't. Like why did he that. want to die so quickly after marrying that. this woman? I, again, like they're the character, the way mm. these characters, we've only got two characters to focus on and the way they interact with each other is fucking baffling. Like they it, definitely are not rom. It is not like compared to like Blackula, you know. There, it is not a romantic. It was, was like an arrangement. You know? Yeah, like, I could understand like that love story. That was a love yeah. story I could latch yes. onto because you could I, see I really, in the way he talked well, to her, the way he embraced yeah. her, the way he looked at her. Well, this is a man that fucking loves this woman, and when she looks back yeah. at him, you can see she fucking loves this man. And when well, one loses yeah. the other, you can just see pain. You can see a love story with these people. One person dies and nobody fucking grieves. She just screams the same yeah. as she saw her other husband. And that, that's her grieving process. She gives out one screen and then it's time to hop on new dick. 
Yeah. yeah that was yeah. literally, literally on its way over. Yeah. Yeah, it couldn't oh, wait. As soon as you heard the <laughs> scream, like immediately he hears the scream and he jumps out of the pool like he, like she's ringing the fucking dinner bell. Like, soup's on, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can't be like fair here. I think, go. I don't know if this movie was ever trying to sell us that they actually had a loving relationship. They had a relationship, but I... I will say I think they the cues are pretty strong to say that this is not this is a loveless relationship. Whatever yeah, they have it was here an arrangement. is not love. Because as soon as he then why does he marry yeah. her? Because the second the day he marries her, he decides <laughs> I'm going to go to church. I'm going I'm going to ask Jesus to kill me so I don't have to spend <laughs> a fucking year with yeah. you, let alone eternity. And how do they I, even know they have eternity? We don't see the passage of time go on it's not like i would love to I, see those go on for like 20 30 years like have i have, uh, hess, I wish was um, more. have hess watch his son grow older and then he realizes he's not use the boy as like a yeah. heuristic so that you can see time is not affecting these people because as far as we know they may be bulletproof but they could probably still age we don't fucking know that yeah, they're immortal I, that was, we don't know that that was the one right uh, that was the one thing that i really wished I could have was how much time's been how much time has passed since this like how much time we don't see snowfall you know it's been like a month maybe at best it felt like it was it was like this is all happening and like is is this the summer yeah is this just like a summertime fun thing that he's doing right now this looks like it could be like two weeks (laughs) like fucking total recall two weeks two weeks yeah two (laughs) weeks Oh God, yeah. So I really wish we had a a time indicator or something. Yeah, I don't know. At <laughs> least with like the hunger, I didn't like much about the hunger, ex- except for the parts with David Bowie in it. Except the fact that David Bowie dies about a third way into the movie, and then it's just another two thirds of a another fucking long movie about like vampirism being like a, an addiction. It had its own fucking thing. Like the hunger really has a lot in common with elements of this movie. And it's elements I don't fucking like. <laughs> like, at least if we wanted to show him, like, being tired of the life, we should have had a passage of time so that he has time to get tired. Like, if you meet a woman, yeah. marry her in two weeks and decide, holy fuck, what have I done? Am I going to get divorced? No. I'm going to go to church. I'm, I'm going to walk up, cry, let the preacher sing and dance in front of me. And then I'm going to go like drape myself in front of a cross and track leaves all over the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just leave all the doors open and shit and just, that's all folks. Yeah. Nothing like, neat and tidy. While here. his new wife watches on like, I, I, as he kills I, himself. I don't think, I don't <laughs> so think romantic. I'm, I don't think I'm asking for too much. Like, <laughs> Can you hold my hand and explain some of this shit? Like, even, like, you want to talk about, like, uh, non, uh, uh, non-linear non time. Pulp Fiction does a movie in non-linear time because they keep jumping between various mm-hmm. points. It's not that hard to follow. No, I love the way that, that Pulp Fiction just... Ugh. It can do... Non-linear, <laughs> non-linear stuff can be done in a movie because you have frames of reference because of pe- either people's clothing change, their hairstyle change, maybe the world around them changes. There are markers mm-hmm. to indicate when the passage or dead character is alive, is alive at this point. So there's enough to indicate when, what time we're going at. So you can pretty much piece together what's going on with this movie. If it was supposed to... It felt like it was too linear 
to be non-cyclical. Like, we're not jumping to Hess meeting a girl, and then he's crying at in front of the church, and then he's banging Hess, and then he's turning into leaves. If we got that... <laughs> Then I would then I would understand like, oh yeah, like you're kind of jumping back and forth because the dagger is like, you know, displacing him from time. Like he's jumping into his future and shit. Uh, I think there was a Kurt Vonnegut book, uh, book like the Slaughterhouse Five or something. That was about, uh, I think uh, it was about like a guy that was uh, unstuck in time because he also like, would jump forward to his his wedding day to a woman he hasn't met yet, and then he would be on his deathbed, and then he would jump back to meeting this woman who looked kind of familiar, and then, like, he realizes, oh, yeah, this is going to be my sweetheart. Like, that's a, that's a story that's nonlinear. This, mm-hmm. it, the events were linear, so if he was intending to make it nonlinear, it didn't come off in the presentation. Like, we don't see him jumping into the past or the future. At most, when he's taking her to the field to stab her, we see him walking with her. Then we see her screaming. Then we see her standing happily next to him. Then we see her screaming again. So that, like, whips forward a second or two, like, ten seconds into the future in one scene. Yeah, it was pretty, um... It it, it definitely accelerated to nearing the end, like... You know, like they just wanted to kind of get everything wrapped up. And then, like my my so final bad is, we go from Diamond Boy swinging dick immediately to a children's choir. <laughs> this is some fucking whiplash <laughs> or dicklash. <laughs> like seriously, like you you're just showing me a penis, and then you're showing children singing. Like that that's. You know, that that's a fucking... That's something. I don't know what the word is for yeah. it, but that's fucking something. <laughs> You're like, oh, did, did, like, did we have no intermission between these scenes, huh? Okay. No. <laughs> oh. Hey, look. Look at the children. Aren't they having fun? <laughs> yeah. Are you having fun? So, uh, this may be a big question. Does anyone have any what the fucks? <laughs> The whole movie. Yeah, yeah. the whole movie. Why, yeah. why is anything <laughs> happening? Is why does Lionel Richie stab stab Ben? Why is Ben at this guy's house? Why is he interviewing the guy? He's, and this guy just starts making <laughs> memoirs, like an open letter to, I don't know, the future? After he stabs the guy and decides I'm going to go take a bath? Like, what the fuck's <laughs> he doing with the typewriter? And when the guy robs the blood bank, this... Like this triggered my my science my science rage, because he takes a wad of paper, throws it in a trash can, and it booms. Like, how does a wad of paper cause a boom? And it's not even like a fire; it's just like he stepped on a pedal and activated an air an air pump in the trash, because it just blows wads of paper out of out of the the trash bin and it's a loud boom because it attracts everyone so that he can walk out of the building it's not like he dropped a cherry bomb in there because there's no smoke it's just a wad of paper that he lights on fire and it causes a whoosh (laughs) 
Like, is this vampire? Maybe it was hair. Is this vampire witchcraft? <laughs> oh my gosh! It's the uh, it's the Murthians. The Murthian mat. Yeah, it's the, the Murthian cherry bomb. Yeah, well, it's definitely a lot of that. Like sounds are like it's symbolic sounds. It's not actually happening. He, yeah, he th- he throws a wad of paper into the into. The, I thought like, oh yeah, he's it's burning deep, paper. <laughs> he's, bur- he's burning paper. We're going to see smoke. No, as soon as he drops the wad of flaming paper into the trash bin, the trash bin just goes bang. Like <laughs> paper doesn't explode. No, unless it's wrapped around gunpowder. I mean, yeah, unless you've got like this, like like magician type shit you know it's like psycho powder which is like it's like paper that you can like burn up and kind of fizzles out like a sparkler oh yeah that's like regardless there was no reason for it yeah exactly (laughs) i'm just like i'm i'm it's like even if that were the case why the fuck would you even have that in there (laughs) yeah no no now that does not make sense (laughs) it doesn't make sense (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Why, why am I up here talking about Chewbacca? All right. <laughs> now that does not make sense. Chewbacca's a Wookiee. He's from the planet Kashyyyk. <laughs> yeah. But why? Why right, do we know like, this? <laughs> oh, he's a Wookiee. He lives on Endor. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so, yeah, that's my what the fucks. Does anyone else have, have what the fucks besides the entire fucking oh, movie? Man. Not really, man. Not not really that could stand out that I don't think I've already kind of brushed on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. The movie was a trip. I had a great time watching it. Yeah. Granted, my my mind was in the right place for it. Um. So, uh, huh. I you know I I'm just kind of like to me I'm like definitely smoke one beforehand and during. Yeah, you had to you right had to, to re up. <laughs> I had to re-up throughout. Yeah. Um, but I had a great friggin' time. I just, I don't know. I was just here. I was chilling. And um, I don't mind watching, like, you know, movies, like like artsy movies and stuff like that. Uh. Um, and it's definitely one that I'll probably watch again. And I'll probably, and I'm not probably, I'm going to watch the... Um, Spike Lee one as well because the sweet blood of Jesus. Yeah, I'm really curious about what what he did with that. So I um, bet you just to be just to be fucking disappointing. I bet it's not even about Jesus's blood. (laughs) I I, I lost all faith with this with this movie and this idea. This I mean, I I love hearing about other experiences, but you know, give me an experience in a way that makes. It doesn't have to be in a way that I can relate to. Just be, just put it in a way that humans can relate to it. Mm-hmm. Like, just adhere to some storytelling rules. Like, show a connection with people. Show mm-hmm. some interactions with characters. I mean, the wedding scene just told me everything about these characters. Nobody likes them. Including themselves. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't even stand each other. Yeah, let's take it to the kill. Of the week. And uh, the only scene with any fucking action at all was uh, when he goes to visit the uh, the hooker and her and the pimp try to ambush him and realize they bit off a lot fucking more than they could chew. <laughs> 
because we, then we see like, oh, oh he's God, that, he's yeah. not just like a blood crazy guy. He's actually immortal because he gets shot like, with, I, I think he gets stabbed by the by the pimp, and he gets shot like a full clip by the hooker, mm-hmm. and he's fine. He just walks out of that building, so you know he's got full on Dracula powers, at least Dracula yeah. resistance to bullets. Yeah, I think that was pretty cool that they did that because otherwise, like it, it doesn't have any grandiose vampire like stereotypes, right? It's just, it, you could if you didn't know any better, you're just kind of like following a normal man. He seems to be able to be out in sunlight and yeah. you know all this other stuff. He he doesn't seem to have any problems with eating food. Um, yeah. So I was so like, it's, okay. Like they're not vampires. So they're out there in a day. So, yeah, they eat so, regular food. Yeah, they're just like regular people. And then that scene pops up and he's getting shot. And then I'm like, oh, like you're like immortal, immortal. Like, okay. You, you kind of get a reminder there that, um, right, this person mm. is not supposed to die. They just don't sure. do much um, with it, though. No, they don't. That's that's where you kind of you you end up kind of forgetting and until like you know bloodlust and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. and you, and you have plenty of time to forget because you're gonna watch them do like fucking walk through a garden for like twelve minutes. Like you yeah. you got plenty of fucking time to forget that this guy's like you think there'd be a lot more going on. Like the guy realizes, oh wait, I'm immortal. Then, like, have him do shit, either commit crimes or, you know, get into it with the cops. Like, Blackula, mm-hmm. he got into it with the fucking cops. Like, we, his immortality was flexed. It was on display. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait, John, we never got to you. What was your kill of the week? Uh, I guess it would probably just be the... Uh, the only kill we've ever seen done by Jesus Christ himself? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's hard to really say what my favorite kill was. I mean, I guess, you know, even just like the one that kind of kicks off the plot there with uh, Bill Gunn, you know, the, the cracked out mm-hmm. uh, Lionel Richie. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, you know, it was kind of a cool shot. It, it, despite some of the problems with it, I think it was kind of... It was cool in the stylization and some of the music and stuff in it. I don't know. I think mm-hmm. it was still a cool scene in some ways, yeah. just outside of some very odd details before that. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought it was still cool. Uh, so, and now I can take it to the rating, and I'm going to give this two Merthian daggers out of five. It's This is what happens when you get an artiste to write a movie like mm-hmm. critics can love it but i think they've seen so many fucking movies they're just they're just begging to see something different i mean this yeah. movie has been from night of the living dead so you know this guy can do good yeah. shit and but i'm missing mama Walde so much in this i'm missing his saber tooth furry face i'm missing the music this is supposed to take place in the 70s where's the funk the disco an electric shaver is not an instrument there's so many fucking times we get this ganja was fine and you know for those who are inclined to penises we also have plenty of dicks so there's something for everybody (laughs) there's something for everybody just not story characters music or coherence of any plot whatsoever i i i just wanted some things to make sense just some things 
You can have some mystery in some places, but nothing connected. So I did I, I did not have a good time with this. Uh Mackie? Um, I give it three point five marijuana cigarettes out of five. <laughs> three point five jazz Left cigarettes. Handed cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> marijuana cigarettes. Devil's lettuce. <laughs> Reefers. <laughs> three and a half three and a half Mexican smuggled. Mexican butt-smuggled reefers. Because Ganja did tell the story about the guy smuggling marijuana from Mexico. <laughs> Was there random stories? Yeah, like, they wrapped it up in, like, what, three condoms and stuffed it in the guy's butt? Just to, just to really make sure the dog got tricked? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, like I said, I had a great time. Um, state of mind helped. Um gonna watch it again eh, hey i like you know taking it for what it is and what it's supposed to be what is what makes it enjoyable i think um like john was saying as an average if someone's just going to kind of come into it trying to watch like a movie that you know just kind of like get in and get out kind of thing that's not that's not what you're going to have here <laughs> yeah so you just got to take it for what its intended purpose is for and keep it moving, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind a movie with a message. Just, you know, make sure that message is in a language I can perceive rather than just, mm. you know, tracking some animal footprints onto a piece of paper and being like, there, you get it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I had nothing to connect to. The characters were nothing and despicable. The music got annoying. The connections between anybody or events was just... I I mean, this movie has visuals. So it does have, it does have good things. It's got striking visuals. When the music doesn't have, like, an electric shaver next to the microphone, the music is decent. <laughs> decent to good. And there's, like, the elements of 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 a good story but it never seemed to address you know what it was like to be black in america or you know him visiting like say the homeland and seeing like well like parts of his land that weren't touched by christianity compared to places that were you know if you want to have a movie that talked about like what christianity did to black identity i'm down to hear that i'd love to hear that i'd love to see it we didn't we just saw two people, and they weren't even talking about like their experiences as black individuals. Like he didn't talk much at all, and all she did was talk about how her mama said she was a slut. I almost wonder if it was deliberate that they didn't um, openly talk about that stuff. Not you mentioned. I mean, I don't know. I don't need everything well, to be literal, but it would have been nice if some things were literal, so I could latch onto it. Yeah, it was something I brought up before. It was something like, they didn't necessarily put that, like, well, that interplay is something I think intended to do a bit into the symbolism and whatnot. But again, this is, you know, going for a very avant-garde approach. I'm not saying whether or not it was good or not, but I think that was like the intent. Like, yeah. rather than having that be it is kind of like it's something in the background of the characters but it's not necessarily front and center you know right 
Yeah. Yeah. That's what I got from it, too. So, John, what was your rating? All right. I'll give this three pool boys out of five. (laughs) (laughs) Three pool boys. So, um, this is definitely a very, like, I can tell this is definitely a movie made with a lot of passion and a lot of attention and a lot of intent, even despite it looking like it's not like that. Um, it takes and, a lot of work to be that incoherent. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's absolutely an experimental film, and I like these kinds of movies. That and, um, but I, I can't rightfully say, like you know, as a viewing experience, you know, as I fir- my first impression, I was like, this is the strangest movie I've ever seen. Um, yeah. <laughs> as a viewing experience, yeah. I just I can't be like I can't stand up and just applaud this like some critics have for it. Yeah. Um because some parts of it just I I don't know, it just it, it's um yeah, some parts of it just don't work as well for me, but um mm-hmm. I think it is a movie I would watch again though cuz I I think uh I can see the significance and importance behind it. Um, and it's, and I do actually appreciate some of the dreamlike visuals in it. Um, you know, and it's also like yeah. a movie, I think, uh, yeah, gotta be in the right state of mind for it. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I'd say, I, yeah, I don't really think it's for everyone. I, you know, I, even I don't think it always like, I think at times it does get a bit too abstract and gets pretentious and, Mm-hmm. You know, I don't blame people for just yeah being like, "What the fuck is this?" You know, it's like yeah, but, yeah. Um, I don't know though. I mean, it's if if you really want to de- get into some avant garde cinema, I, I I would say this is you probably got a masterpiece in that genre there. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that concludes Black History Month. It certainly ends with a lot to chew on. I mean, there's a lot I didn't get, but then again, I do concede I am not the target audience. And also, I require a bit more literalism. Not a lot, but more than this movie provided. Like, some symbolism is good, but if the entire movie is symbolic... And they're like, you have to interpret everything and every character and every interaction. And you have to fill it all in yourself. Like, I need a bit more grounding. Like, I can fill in the color. I can fill in the. Like, I, I, I kind of, it's kind of like I need a coloring book at least. I can, I can, fill, in, I can <laughs> fill in the colors, but you got to provide the outline for me. Yeah. 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 You yeah. don't need to show me the whole picture, but give me the outline and I'll color in the rest. Mm-hmm. And so, Good way to put it. yeah, you were able to give it a bit more leeway than I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Charitability. Yeah, I just, yeah, and um, you know, I I was also watching it, you know, as well from a black perspective, and I, there was a lot of things that they did really well that I thought they did that they got right in that sense, you know, with the characters, um, and especially the, you know that there's a, this discussion about um, the black community and generational wealth and how, wow, you know, we just don't really have that. So we see this man that, you know, was building his own wealth, making like seem like to have like his own sort of 
you know, name for himself and everything. And like we discussed, like a lot of progressive stuff like that for the time, right? Um, having a black man in a, in a prestigious kind of role and an environment and everything like that. And um, we were talking about this scene too, sorry, but when uh, he was speaking with uh, somebody in French, was it French? His son. He was speaking with him in French. That? Yeah. Yeah, it was the French. The son we okay. never see again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, the son um, who does not matter. I, yeah. So, anyways, anyways, I, I kind of understood, like, you know, they were trying to show that he was, like, you know, really learned, and they were trying to say, show that he was showing something or whatever, explaining how something worked. I can't remember what the thing was that they were talking about. Um, it would have been nice if they had subtitles yeah. so we could see. Yeah, I know. And, like, again, I guess they did that on purpose because they just wanted to, you to feel through the dialogue, like, the tone and, and mannerisms and stuff like that. I think that's what they were trying to do with that scene. So I was like, okay, he's trying to explain something and, and show how something works and whatever. So I got that. But, yeah. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, that certainly is the end of Black History Month. We, uh... We certainly had a lot to uh, talk about. Like, we ended on an artistic note. I, you know, I still say that Blackula was, uh, like, like as far as 70s vampires go, Blackula really came through. Even even better than uh, mm -hmm. most of the Hammer movies that came out in the 70s. So I'd say, you know, in the 60s, Christopher Lee was, like, the master. Like, the 50s and 60s, Christopher Lee was, like, the best Dracula. But this guy, mm -hmm. uh, Blackula, was... You know, the vampire of the 70s, at least until Frank Langella's Dracula in 1979. That guy really fucking killed it. But uh, this certainly was a trip, and I'm certainly glad I got to see this at least so that we could have this discussion. Yeah. Like it, The discussion to me is better than the movie because at least we can talk about ideas that we can, you know, follow and, you know, try to, try yeah, to uh, like talk a, about our interpretations. Yeah. For sure, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I look forward to what the rest Thanks of the year will uh, will have in mind. And we definitely know what we'll be doing uh, for the next uh, for the next Black History Month. And we hope to uh, continue to expand uh, the per my perspective and uh, understanding of Black culture, at least through horror cinema, which is a mm -hmm. not the largest lens, but it's definitely one that I can relate to quite a bit and uh you know i certainly hope that uh you'll still be talking to me by next year and that you can uh join us for more of these movies for sure and uh it's good talk guys sure thing and uh do you have anything to uh promote while we're here not currently all right when you do when they do you'll hear about it first but un working on it. <laughs> but until next time, I'm Mike. I'm Mackie. And I'm John. And thank you for joining us for Black History Month on The Graveyard Shift. The Graveyard Shift is a Strange Biscuits production. Visit our website at strangebiscuits.com slash graveyard shift to hear all of our previous episodes. Subscribe to us, rate, and review us on CastBox, Apple Podcasts, 
Stitcher, and Spotify. And don't forget to check out our Instagram at The Graveyard Shift Pod, as well as our Facebook at The Graveyard Shift Pod. Our Twitter is GS underscore Horror Pod. And if you wish to support the show financially, visit us at patreon.com slash graveyard. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help support the show and get bonus content. The theme for the Graveyard Shift is As Brutal As It Ever Was by Technoaxe. Visit their website at technoaxe.com and their YouTube channel for more royalty-free music. Thank you for listening, and as always, stay spooky. Ha 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 